Okay. All right, so we get the rest of the lights turned on. Um, they told me, Jared's like, we thought she was going to play the outtakes. I guess they were awesome. So maybe in the future we'll, we'll start doing that. How many, how many enjoy the outtakes? <laughs> it's funny. I saw one that Morgan did. It was pretty hilarious. Um, so how are y'all? Man, um, Corey was talking about the Cane Ridge, Kentucky revival. N- Nicole and I took the kids to that just about a month or two ago, and uh, the site where that outpouring happened. And what he didn't say is that first meeting there was hundreds, but then tens of thousands came. Ten to 25,000 people came and, uh, on by foot or horseback. And uh, it's amazing that that's where the second great awakening, they give credit, that's where the second great awakening was actually launched and circuit riders then took it out west. And uh, it's amazing how many, how many like I, I begin to think of this stuff and we go there and, and honestly the site was dilapidated, there was weeds growing up everywhere, there was a prayer garden in the back that you couldn't even tell it was there because it was just, just, just gross. Um, the, the bathrooms were out of order, there was an, uh, a portageon that was set up there that had obviously not been cared for in months. And, uh, or if not, maybe years. And uh, it was just this interesting thing where I went to pay honor to where um, something had really launched. But the other thing is, I don't want to be stuck in history, but if my history is greater than my destiny, then I'm dead. So, so it's this thing where I honor history, but we still have destiny. So I took a memory stone. I took a rock from there. I usually do that when I go to important places. I just take a rock. The Lord will forgive me. But because I believe we're still supposed to stay start of a landscape, but movements are supposed to move, not stay dead. And if they stay, then it oftentimes dies like the Dead Sea, but we're supposed to be a river, and rivers of living water shall flow out of our bellies, right? So we're supposed to flow, but I just found it interesting. And then the thought that I have is, I also don't want to miss something. When the Lord's doing something, when he's breathing on something, I don't want to wait to go. I don't want to wait to be a part. I don't want to wait, um, you know, for, for, for some big sign. Like the Lord does say, wait upon the Lord, right? But to be still and know he's God. But at the same time, how many people waited to go to that, and then the circuit riders had already moved on by the time they got there? And you're talking five-day, seven-day journey maybe for some. I don't want to miss it, but I also don't want to go ahead of the Lord. And just knowing that timing. So things begin to stir me, but that's not what I'm going to preach on today. Maybe in the future. Um, man, background looks good. I thanked Kaylee for service. Kaylee and Cody made that happen. It was really awesome. But uh, I just got back, so I watched the sermons online. I have not yet watched Corey's from last week, but I heard it was off the hook. I heard it was amazing. So I did watch Nicole's. And yes, I did give her a lot of notes to preach from because we kind of did that two-week thing together. And then she just basically said, forget it, I'm not preaching anything he said. So did her own thing, uh, and I'll forgive her for that. But uh, no, it was really awesome. She was like on fire. I was texting her. She's like, you're done listening to it already? She's like, did you listen to it like in two speed? I was like, yeah, I did, podcast. So it was like one and a half speed. So anyway, uh, I was trying to make up sermons and get through a bunch of podcasts. But last week I heard was amazing. So I was out west hunting. Um, I did not come home with a bear or an elk from the first week, but I did a pronghorn the second week. And uh, it was all awesome. It's amazing. We went to Yellowstone for a couple days. And it was all great except for I sat on a cactus. Yep. And let's just say Scott Thompson, who will probably be preaching here in the next uh, few several weeks or a couple months, let's just say he's a really, really good friend. And a half hour later with tweezers, he's a really close friend. 
So I'm very thankful for Scott Thompson in my life. Everybody needs a Scott Thompson in their life when you decide to sit on a cactus in the middle of the wilderness in Wyoming. So anyway, uh, we'll make sure we try to keep that picture private because somebody did snap a picture of that happening. So anyway, it was fun. Um, but tonight, deeper. Don't miss it. We had an amazing time. It's, our, it's only our second one, so you've not missed um, too much to not join now. It's, it's, you can come any week, but it's the fourth Sunday of every month. So we're doing that again. We have 50, 60 people show up last week, and it's simply to get closer, go deeper together, and get deeper into the Lord. And we, we just, man, come, come tonight. Uh, it's an hour and a half. It's structured. We start off with just a very short worship, very short word, and you're in small groups, what we're calling breakout sessions for at least an hour. And uh, there's a prayer and worship that Corey and Anna lead that was like packed. We had to send them to the biggest room. Nicole's doing health and wholeness for healing and wholeness and health and mind, body, soul, and spirit. Um, Brittany and Amanda are leading this incredible thing on the supernatural, Holy Spirit, signs, wonders, miracles. They're, they're really going deep in that. Josh is obviously focusing on relationships. I may have left one out. I know Steve Justice is going to start uh, one on discipleship for newer believers and spiritual disciplines and uh, just the foundations of Christianity. Uh, but he's ill, so uh, he won't be here tonight. But you got to come. It's amazing. It's deep. It's awesome. And it's relational. We hear a lot of times we want to get more connected. How do we get more connected? Yeah, come tonight. That's, that's one way. So I want to talk to you about the history of Pink Sunday. I want to tell you why we do it, the, the um, intention of it, why. What's the why behind Pink Sunday today? And I don't know if this got announced, but anybody who's not wearing pink, uh, one gets pinched and two has to put $10 in the offering plates. So did that? That didn't get announced. Oh, Okay. Just joking, but we, um, we've dedicated a service to Pink Sunday ever since um, my mom, the patriarch of the church, my mom and dad were the founders of this church, ever since she passed away of cancer um, about eight and a half years ago. We were just about three, two to three months shy of opening this building. Um, she had picked out the colors, helped with the carpet, the chair colors, all of this, and didn't get to see it in its final finished stage. Um, so she died in February. We started church services in this building in May. And uh, she had a couple-year battle. And by the way, my, my dad can wave. It's awesome. His new wife, Patty, who's been a great addition to our family. So you've heard about the hardship leading up to that, but now this is the fruit from that. So anyway, uh, it was a trying time that year or so. But I just want to share with you um, what happened. So she had a, a, my mom had cancer for about two years. Um, about a year and a half in, she, we felt she was healed. She had a total clear bill of health, uh, absolutely verified by doctors. It was good. The PET scans and all that were clear. Um, suddenly, on a Saturday morning, my brother, I, I think maybe John Reed, Kurt, a few others, probably Heath, there were several of us here laying stone on the building. Um, and probably Jay, yeah. So we were here laying stone. I remember getting a phone call mid-morning. My mom had went to the hospital, the local hospital, for what she thought was maybe bronchitis. To find out, to later find out within a few days that it was nodules and she had cancer in her entire body, including her brain. And they had ruled that the doctors could do nothing further and there was no medical treatment that was going to stop that or uh, do anything to um, uh, change that. So we as a church at that point had started to see a lot of miracles, a lot of healings, a lot of physical healings, a lot of documented healings even by doctors. Kenny was one of them. Kenny's, uh, his, his literal cancer reports changed from going from, I believe, Upper Valley to Ohio State in Columbus. The, the, the diagnosis changed in the mail and he was totally healed and clear. It was just amazing, crazy thing. 
We had others being healed. We had, we had seen dead raisings by this point. And this is crazy stuff. Like, it's like, what? Really? So we had seen a lot of amazing things. And then, so we felt when my mom got this final diagnosis, like, okay, only God's going to get the glory. No one else is going to get the glory. God's going to heal her. This is going to be amazing. Now, now let, me, let me preface this with this. We are not opposed to medical treatment, doctors, physicians, um, and, and seeking treatment. We are not, okay? We are not a church that, that is opposed to that. Now, I will say, God is a great physician. He is the ultimate healer, and, and his uh, premiums are way less. His uh, insurance policies are way cheaper, and it's usually expedited with a whole lot less treatment, and it's faster, okay? I'll, I'll say that. So ideally, yes, God's a great physician. He does. He will, and he will always heal, okay? So, but it is not a second class or a, a secondary thing when God uses people in modern medicine to help as well. So we're, if you experience healing today or as you're watching today, please do not stop your medications or not go back to our... The greatest thing is if you go back to your doctor and you get tested and proven that you've been healed and then allow them professionally to work with you, all right? So that's, that's what we like to say. We've had a lot of people just stop everything and then it ends up really bad. So if God heals you, there will be proof and we don't need sympathetic healings or these things. God will do it. He is doing it. He's in that business. With all that said, my mom passes away, even to the point of two hours in, uh, in, our, in her house with hospice, two hours after death, we're still praying for her to be raised from the dead. Now, that didn't happen. Healing didn't happen the way we wanted it. Healing didn't happen in the manner in which we expected it to happen. Uh, she got her final upgrade. We believe she tasted and saw heaven and didn't want to come back to earth. That's what we believe. That's a lot of prophetic words around that. And, uh, and I don't blame her. If I saw and tasted heaven, I may not want to come back either. So she got her ultimate upgrade a little sooner than we thought, a little sooner than what we felt was fair and right. I can't explain some of that, but I'll dabble into that a little later. So what happened was that, 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 that shook us. Like we were shaken to the core as a church, a church that believed in healing, had saw healing, had saw tumors dissolve in service, had saw arthritic hands straighten up. I mean, we had seen this all over the world, including at Upper Room. My wife and I were praying for a gentleman probably in his 80s, 70s, 80s in Dominican Republic. He's hunched over, he has scoliosis, and all of a sudden we lay hands on his back, we're like, Lord, heal him. Pop, 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 stand straight up. Every bit of deformity and decrepitness had straightened out, total movement. He starts dancing and waving his arms. We've seen this time and time again because God's faithful and he's good and he's amazing and it is crazy fun. It's awesome. That's how good God is. But then when it didn't happen for my mom, it, it shook a lot of us, and, and, it, and it really squeezed us. And this, the ones that stayed grew in faith and knew that the, the goodness of God was not dependent on whether or not he healed my mom or not. Now, some of them maybe didn't have that foundation, or they were just so distraught because my mom was a mom to most of us, if not all of us at the church at that time. So it definitely shook us. So so, and then some left. Some left the church and some left the family over her not being healed. Now, I just want to say this. What, sometimes the thing that bites us is the thing we have authority over. And let, let me expand on that. When Paul was building a fire at one time, he got bit by this poisonous snake. And up to that point, every person who had ever been bit by that snake recorded had died. But Paul, after that, gets healed and goes and does a healing crusade and multitudes get healed. 
The thing that's trying to bite you or has bitten you is oftentimes a thing you have authority over. If you've been through a divorce, you can probably help others. If you've been healed, now that testimony now becomes a prophecy. You have a story for his glory. You have a testimony that every testimony, when God does something in your life, whether it's healing or deliverance or breakthrough or freedom or forgiveness, all of these things, these testimonies now become a prophecy to somebody else because we get to share them. We get to brag about our really awesome dad. The Bible said that we're made overcomers by what? The word, uh, the, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. By who he is and what he's done in us, through us, around us. And I can share somebody else's testimony, and that becomes a prophecy that leads to breakthrough in, in prayer and healing in this area too. So, with that said, we decided that we were going to go after cancer, and we were going to go after healing, we were going to go after disease, and we were going to send cancer back to hell where it came from and where it belongs. The thing that bit us, we now have authority over, and it gave us a passion and a drive to say, no, not on our watch. God is too good for this. It doesn't exist in heaven. It doesn't have to exist here on earth. The Bible says that God is a giver of life. It says every good thing comes from above. Here's what John 10, 10 says. says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to what? Give life and life more abundantly. He, gave, he came to give eternal life, but also life here on earth. So the cross wasn't just this system or this, this idea to get us to heaven one day. It was also this, this theology to get heaven into us as well, to walk the earth. So we have this inheritance, this wild, amazing inheritance from heaven, from God, from the Father, that used Jesus to be crucified and resurrected, connect us back to the Father, but also to give us our inheritance to bring heaven here to earth. If it doesn't exist in heaven and it didn't come from God, then it doesn't belong to us as believers because we are given authority. We have a legal right to not have to walk with that, okay? Now, I, I, let, me, let me get back on track here. So we started up Pink Sunday because we are like, we're realizing this and we're going to go after it. We're going to punch it in the face, right? Like, okay, it may have taken my mom, but it ain't taken anybody else. It was, was our, is our goal. That's our hope. That's our faith, that is our faith that God can and will and wants to heal everybody. Now, when it doesn't happen, I, I don't know. I can't explain that. But I know this. I can't, I can't lower my expectation based on my experiences. I, I, can't, I can't lower my theology based on the experiences that I've experienced or not experienced. But what I do is I raise my expectation based on his theology, Jesus' theology. He is perfect theology. He was the greatest example, right? So as we get into this, we're like, let's go for it. So we started Pink Sunday. Once a year in October, we recognize, we invite people who have disease, who have cancer, and we have seen documented cases from Pink Sunday get totally healed. It's this amazing thing. And, and when I mean document, I mean like physician proved it. Physician before prayer, sick, disease, in body, in blood tests. After prayer, radical change, total freedom. We've seen these documented cases, so it's really awesome. But these signs and wonders, these healings, these miracles, literally only, their, their intention is to reveal the heart of the Father. Their intention is to reveal the goodness of God, to prove His love for people and His radical nature. So the other thing that we started was um, carnations. You'll see these carnations, and we want you to take one before you leave and just give to somebody and pray for them, bless them, encourage them, whether they have cancer or disease or not. Just, just use these as a prophetic tool, um, an encouragement to a kindness tool to tell them about the goodness of God. 
Well, every week, my sister Leah, Leah can wave, she kind of helps organize Pink Sunday and the t-shirt sales, and she's awesome. <laughs> she started up a thing to where, listen, we're not only going to pray healing, we're also going to bring comfort and care and love on people going through cancer, because a lot of times there's shame attached to it. There's heartache attached to it. There's trials attached to it. There's treatments attached to it. There's all these things that are so hard for a family and a patient to go through. So every week she goes to the cancer wing at Upper Valley, gives them all these carnations with little tags on them, basically telling them they're loved and quoting Jeremiah 29, 11 that we'll read later. So, so here's the, that's what she does. And now we have these bags too that she brings and these care bags. And these care bags have just all, like a devotional, a journal, mints, just different things that might help somebody and just brighten their day a little bit uh, who might be going through a really hard time. What these t-shirts do then is they fund, and why we have Pink Sunday is just to like have fun with it, but these fund that ministry for an entire year. So I don't know if that's been told you the last few weeks, but as you're buying these t-shirts, it's actually funding this care ministry of these carnations and these bags going out for an entire year. It's amazing because that's why we're here today on Pink Sunday because we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe that Jesus healed on the earth. It didn't leave when he left. Healing didn't leave when the apostles left, and he is still the same in healing and loving and forgiving and restoring and reconciling and redeeming just as much as he did today as he did when he was here on the earth. Let, let, me, let me move on to, to a few things here. The cross does not lose its power. Jesus has never stopped healing as much as he's never stopped forgiving, delivering, or making people well and free. If we diminish our theology to what we experience, then we diminish the power and the purpose of the cross, and that has never changed, and it never will. There is still power in his blood. There is still power in the crucifixion. There is still power in the resurrection. A amen. This is the thing, and when we say one thing doesn't happen, it's usually because our experience didn't prove it. Now, now, so we get, we get a lot of people saying, well, I don't know about that. I don't know about this. I don't know about the signs. Wonder. I don't know about healing. It's probably because you've never witnessed it. Well, I don't know about the prophetic. Well, that might be because it's been abused in your life, or you've seen the TV version of it that wasn't so pleasant, okay? The prophetic is a gift to encourage, uplift, and comfort, not to make you give me more money or buy this prayer cloth or this anointing oil or this water, Okay, that was never what the prophetic was meant to do. It is a love gift that was given to the body, to earth, for the kingdom growth to reveal the Father's love. And the prophetic oftentimes allows people to see in themselves what the, what the Father's seeing in them. It's revealing how the Father, how heaven sees you that you may not be seeing in yourself at that time. It's the same with like baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power gifts and the healing gift. And these gifts are love gifts given to us to reveal the love of the Father. So when Jesus came to the earth and he was crucified, he literally came to expose the Father's love to us and connect us back to him. This is good stuff. Like, this is really exciting because now I don't have to say, well, I don't know. I've never seen a healing, so it probably doesn't happen. There are literal ministries out there. I know one specifically that is so uh, divisive in the body of Christ. I believe that Jesus was broken so his body could be whole. His church body and our physical bodies. He was broken all the way so we could be whole all the way. And what I see is there's ministries, literally, their assignment is to attack other ministries. Whether or not gifts still operate today. Whether or not people still pray and speak in tongues. Or whether or not baptism of the Holy Spirit is real or not. Like, 
okay, I, I just want to like contact these ministries like, hey, how about you turn your focus to the world and turn your focus to the unsaved and actually reveal the love of the Father to them and let's see the kingdom expand. It's so weird to me that there's ministries focused on other ministries on minor differences and that's consuming an entire ministry that then splits and it gives Christianity a bad name rather than building up the body. Listen, it doesn't matter what denomination you're at. It doesn't matter what building you're at. It doesn't matter where you attend on Sundays. Like Jesus, big C Christian, big C church, is that we love each other and we're to encourage one another. And okay, I believe in healing. You might not. Well, let's just see what happens. I love seeing people experience healing for the first time within their body, or my favorite part is actually taking somebody who's never seen healing, doesn't even know if they believe in it, and pray for somebody and see healing. I have a good friend, his name's Matt, and uh, he came to church one time here, and family comes periodically, and uh, it's this cool thing. I was like, we were talking about healing, he's like, man, I believe in it, it says it in the Bible, I've just never seen it, so I don't know. I'm like, all right, so this lady needed prayer in her back, and uh, she had severe back pain. We usually do like an assessment before we pray. Otherwise, what are we praying for? Like people come up the prayer line, oh, I'll just pray for you. And I'm praying for like, you know, the flu or something, and they're like, no, I just want to forgive my brother because he ticked me off yesterday. Like, what are you praying for? <laughs> anybody else like, it used to be like, anybody want prayer, just come up. And then we just start praying. Like, uh, maybe you have that much of an insightful prophetic gift that you just know, but me, I like to ask. Like, hey, what, what do you got? What's your need? Let's, let's pray for it. So, oh, diabetes, all right, let's pay for the, pray for the pancreas. Let's go right to the source. So anyway, this lady came in with back pain. She was a 7 on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, and she couldn't move. She couldn't bend over. I was like, hey, Matt, come on, come on. He was a few people over talking. I was like, come here, because I wanted him to experience it. So I was like, hey, just put your back, you put your hand on her back. So I put my hand over his. I was like, just say this, Jesus, Jesus, heal your daughter, heal your daughter. Pain go, pain go, heaven flow, heaven flow. All of a sudden, ah, ah, totally healed. And now I'm like excited for this lady, but then I look at Matt and he's like, total saucers. Because something awakened in him, and now the things he had read about became a reality because he experienced it. And, and I'm just saying, just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. You just haven't seen it yet. Because testimonies are prophecies. So let me, let me get into the word here. Isaiah 53, 5 says this. I've got to be way quicker than I was at 9 a.m. If you notice when you came in, it was like 10.56. We were just dismissing. <laughs> so Isaiah 53, 5 says this. And this is part of Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews 13, 8 says. He doesn't change. Our delivery methods may change. Our style of music may change, but God does not change. His word does not change. The cross does not change. The power of his blood does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Isaiah 53, this is the prophet Isaiah talking about Jesus coming, and here's what he's going to do. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. This is the power of Jesus. This is coming through a prophet saying this is what he's going to do. This is who Jesus is going to be. He's going to be pierced for your rebellion. He's going to be crushed for our iniquities or our sins. He's going to be chastised or beaten so that we could be whole. And he's going to be whipped so we could be healed. Then we go to 1 Peter 2.24. Now Peter's talking from experience now. So you have the, the past, 
what he, Jesus did, what he's going to do, what Jesus did, and then who he is. So, so here we have Isaiah prophesying it. Jesus did it. Now Peter's talking about it. He says, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live to what is right. By his wounds, you are, by his wounds, you are healed. Now, it's the same, similar verse. Like, and what he's talking about is this is not just wholeness and healing and deliverance for just physical. And it's not just sin for the eternal. It's all of it. It's this whole thing that he wants us to be whole. Mind, body, soul, spirit. We'll get there in just a second. But, but here's the deal. Jesus paid a full price so that we could walk in total freedom. In our mind, our will, our emotion, our body, and our spirit. Like he came so that the Bible talks about this word. And in the New Testament, it's mentioned 110 times. The Greek word for saved is sozo. Many times when he says he came to seek and save that which was lost. Or in John 3, 17, the version is also used there. That was talking about Jesus came to save the world, the whole cosmos, in 3.17. And that saved word comes from the Greek word sozoed. He came to sozo that which was lost. He came to sozo the cosmos or the whole world. Meaning, sozo is broken down to three parts. Saved, healed, and delivered. To be free in every area of our life. That we won't be entangled with any yokes of bondage, but we can walk free. So we go to um, this book. And my daughters are going to pass them out right now. And if you need this, if you don't have a copy of Remnant... Uh, this is a book that, uh, just raise your hand if you need a copy, and they're going to give you one today. Totally free, all right? So at, at any rate, this book touched our ministry um, years ago. And it's about bringing integrity and wholeness and, and walking as an example as Christians as a body, as a church, but also in personal integrity. And there's some things here I was, I was obviously hunting. And the first four days of hunting, I saw nothing but birds, Nothing. Some mule deer and birds. So two things happen when I hunt and see nothing. I get super bored and I read and I write poetry. For the sake of time, I can't read. Should I read a poem today? Huh? You guys want to hear a poem while they pass out the books? Okay. Totally off topic. However, I think you'll love it. Okay, just buying some time. Then we'll be in the remnant page 29. All right, so... This one I wrote for my girls. It's called Girl Dad. I wrote like a half dozen poems or more and a song. Girl Dad. This is for the whole world to see too. It's awesome. I'm a girl dad. That's what I am. From braiding hair to tea parties with lots of glam. It was love at first sight for each one. Had no idea loving four girls could be so fun. I'm a girl dad. Oh, by the way, the context behind this, if you don't know me, I have four daughters. So... I'm a girl dad, loud and proud, just trying to make my princesses always feel wild. I'm a girl dad, not just a fad, it's how God blessed me and made me so rad. I'm a girl dad, they're prince charming, always be by their side and nobody be harming. I'm a girl dad, through every struggle and absolutely embracing every little snuggle. I'm a girl dad, trying to lead by example, the glimpse of me is their hubby's first sample. I'm a girl dad, with no regrets, on your mark, get ready, sets. I'm a girl dad raising them in Christ, always a full-time referee in all those fights. I'm a girl dad trying to love slow like Bahamas, saving all that drama from their beautiful mama. I'm a girl dad, that's my jam. Nope, no boys here in our fam. I'm a girl dad who no men will defile and one day ready to walk them down their aisles. Girl dad.
So, everybody get a book. If you didn't, raise your hand. My daughters, there's a need a couple more here, at least one. Just raise your hand, they'll get you one. Okay, so I'm reading, all right? And I'm like, man, that was so amazing. This is like the dozen, I've read this book maybe a dozen times, and I gave my copy away that had all my notes in it. So I'm starting all over. And we felt like there was some foundational things happening right now in this climate and in, in the world right now. And I think a lot of times God gets the blame for so much junk. Again, John 10, 10, Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. Every good thing comes from above. But yet our insurances have a, an act of God clause. Blaming God for storms and tornadoes and hurricanes and fires that might destruct things. We blame God and he gets this bad rap when if it doesn't exist or come from heaven, then it's not his fault. Cancer did not come from God. All right? Bankruptcy did not come from God. Disease does not come from God. Racism and division does not come from God. He's a creative artist who loves all and created all different shapes, colors, sizes, personalities. And he created us to be different for this amazing eclectic group called his bride. That doesn't come from God. This division has been created. Cancer didn't come from God. Divorce doesn't come from God. You know, the abortion doesn't come from God. These things don't come from God. But suddenly when something bad happens, we want to blame God. Oftentimes when that happens, our theology and our faith is dependent on within what God does. And then when he doesn't heal my mom, people leave the church because their dependency was on the miracle, not the miracle worker. We have to put our theology and our faith and our trust in the Lord, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were going to the fiery furnace, and they, they're saying, listen, we're not going to bow to no king. We're not going to do this. They get sent to this furnace, and their prayer, as they go into the furnace, knowing death is imminent, they say, Lord, we know you can bring us through this, but no matter what, we trust you. We know that you can deliver us, but if you don't, we love you. It's the same thing as we face these trials, we face these terrible circumstances, we face disease or even death or these terrible things or infertility, these things that we sometimes have to navigate through as people on this earth, as flesh and blood. It doesn't mean that God caused it, it doesn't mean that he likes it, and it doesn't mean that he still won't deliver you from it. Just because he didn't heal my mom doesn't mean we're going to stop trying to heal your mom. Listen, otherwise our dependency comes in the thing or the prophetic word or the healing or the sign and wonder. And guess what? Sometimes they just don't happen. I heard Bill Johnson say once, if you're not failing, you're not going after enough. Listen, I, <laughs> I prayed for a hundred dead bodies before I saw the first one raised from the dead. But I didn't give up. And I, it's probably a hundred to one since then. Like I see a lot of, this kind of sounds morbid, but I see a lot of dead bodies. I'm a paramedic, and I just stumble on things and wrecks and kids drowning in pools. Randy Clark just put one of the documented stories in his most recent book, 16 Reasons Jesus Needed to Go to the Cross. But guess what? The next three or 10 or 50 that I prayed for didn't raise from the dead, but I don't stop because I know God can, he will, and he wants to. Just because he always doesn't do it, always do it, doesn't mean he's not good. So I feel there's an imperative call back to some foundational things for us as a body, us as believers, us going after things even when we may not see the result the way we want and the timing in which we want it. I've got to hurry up, so let me just get to this. It's page 29 through 31. I just, honestly, I was going to rewrite it and summarize it and paraphrase for the sake of just being really accurate in what the heart of Larry Stockstill's book here is. I just want to read it. 
So page 29, if, if you don't have one, just listen. First one, it says, uh, the, the, above that on the paragraph, says, by studying the wounds of Christ, believers can receive faith for deliverance in every area. Listed below are some of the things that believers need to know that are theirs because of what Christ suffered in his body. The first, peace, his brow. It says, Christ began to taste the cup of anxiety, tribulation, and pressure in Gethsemane. He chose the will of God and paid the highest price. The blood came to the surface as his skin uh, and, and ruptured capillaries, a phenomenon resulting from extreme mental pressure. Here's the truth. Jesus took my cares, worries, and anxieties upon himself and gave me peace. Second one, healing, his back. Isaiah and Peter both prophesied, by his wounds you were healed. One of the duties of the Roman lictor was to scour scourge criminals using a whip with razor-sharp tentacle, uh, tentacles embedded with lead and bone. The lictor systematically shredded the victim's back as he inflicted the brutal scourging. As the beating occurred, the torturous tentacles of the whip flew wildly across the victim's back and wrapped around to his front, often horribly disfiguring him. No wonder Isaiah said his appearance was disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. Another version basically says that he was unrecognizable between human and animal. Here's the truth. Jesus bore my pain and agony so I could be healed in every dimension of my life. Three, forgiveness, his hands. Colossians 2, 14 says, Having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. A certificate of de debt, or IOU, in Jesus' day was a handwritten promissory note. The ancient method of debt cancellation involved driving a nail through the note and posting on the purchased pro property when the debt was paid. Every sin in our past is a legal IOU in our handwriting. When Christ was crucified, our list of spiritual IOUs was nailed between his hands and the cross. Here's the truth. The debt, the promissory note, the arrest warrant are, are all marked canceled when I see Jesus' forgiveness. Four, victory, his feet. Colossians continues, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. After a Roman military triumph, the victor always placed his foot upon the neck of the prostrate fallen general, much as Joshua did to the five kings. Christians should look at every difficult circumstance from the perspective of the victory of the cross and resurrection. By, and this is the truth, by his death on the cross, Jesus put my weakness, fear, and defeat under his feet. And I love the verse that says, we will crush Satan under our feet. Blessing, his head. The thorn is first mentioned in Genesis. I love this connection back to the beginning. The thorn is first mentioned in Genesis 3.18 as part of the curse that came upon Adam. Christ was crowned with thorns, symbolizing his taking of the pain, suffering, and poverty that entered the world after Adam and Eve's sin. The crown of thorns Jesus wore represents the crushing of the spirit of poverty, debt, and lack. Here's the truth. Because of that, I can know that my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Inner healing, his side, last one. The piercing of Christ's side represents the breaking of the heart. The inner wounds, here's the truth, the inner wounds and heartbreak of my experiences and circumstances are healed as I release bitterness and experience forgiveness. Isn't that amazing, the price Jesus paid for us to be free, for us to be whole, and for us to walk not only eternally uh, and as life, but life on earth as well. 
It's so good. So 1 Thessalonians says this, and I'm, I'm wrapping up here. 1 Thessalonians says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, holy, healthy, whole in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for who he calls us faithful. Sickness to the body is the same as sin is to the soul. And Jesus came to redeem, reconcile, and free all. Amen. Not just in our soul, not just our spirit, but also our body. It's amazing. Okay, so here's the good news. There's a future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. No matter your diagnosis, no matter your disease, no matter if there's cancer that's being diagnosed to you or, or even that you're being tested for, God has a plan for you. He has a future for you. He has plans to prosper you, good plans. And this is what we give every patient that my sister encounters uh, as she goes on this cancer care ministry that we believe God can heal, we believe he wants to heal, and we believe he will heal, all right? And we believe that there is a future for everybody. Now, but we can't let our past experiences um, affect God's plan or purpose in our life, all right? So let me, let me skip down. Oftentimes, we pray in Jesus' name. And, and let me tell you why. John 16, 23 says, anything we ask in his name, he'll do it. So here's the thing. When we pray in Jesus' name, his name is all-encompassing of his nature and his ability, right? If we go through the names, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and Nietzsche, you know, you go through all these things. He, he's my healer, right? So we go through the names. So Jesus' name, all of them, all 951 of them, are the natures and the wills of God. It's, his, it's within him. So within your name, within your nature, within your ability, God, please heal. That's the thing that we get to say. So anything in his name, if we ask anything in his name, he'll do it. The Bible says oftentimes we have not because we ask not. We just ask, Lord, heal this person, please. A lot of times we command, we declare, we, we speak declarations over. And a lot of times I'll, I'll speak to the actual organ and, and do this. It's this awesome thing. So let me just read two more scriptures, and then we're going to call Steve up and do some fun, fun things and just see God uh, do what he loves to do, and that's heal, touch, and love people. So, Matthew 16, 19 says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let me give you some, some context for this. Whatever we have the legal right as believers, everybody say amen, amen. to bind and loose. We get to bind, we get to, we get to cancel the enemy's assignment, we get to rebuke his devour. We get to bind anything that's not of God and loose all of God to this situation, this person, the disease, the ailment, whatever it might be. We get to bind the enemy's attack. We get to bind pain and loose healing. We get to bind poverty and loose favor and blessing. This is binding and loosing. And as believers, as children of God, confirmed in Romans 8 and Galatians 4 that we're children of God, through the spirit of adoption, we're an heir to the throne. My inheritance is heaven, so I get to bind and loose. Now, we go to Mark 16. One of the last things Jesus said, um, and this is within the realm also of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Mark 16 says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. 
This is just fun. This is, it, these signs will accompany the believers. Not, it doesn't say these signs will accompany the pastors. These signs will accompany the elders of the church. These signs will accompany those who've been to ministry school or theological seminary. No, these signs will accompany believers. Everybody say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Not a song. I think it's on like a cartoon or something my kids watch. Sing? Is it on Sing? Shrek. Shrek, that's it. At any rate, it says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not harm them. And then for today, here's what we get to. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick. There's some churches are like, no, we, we don't lay hands on the sick. Why not? The Bible says to. Well, you're not going to catch the cootie. Like, lay hands on the sick. See them get healed. So we lay hands on the sick. We see them recover. We see people get healed. It doesn't say lay hands on the sick and they might recover, or if it's God will, God's will, they will. It is God's will. He died on the cross for this. He freed them as much of their sin as they did physical ailments. So it is always his will, all right? So let me, just, let me just break off the ceiling here for a moment. A lot of times we say, well, what if God doesn't? What if I pray for somebody and nothing happens? Do you know what happens if you pray for somebody and nothing happens? Nothing. Nothing. Like you can't, when I go, to, when I go pray for a dead person, I can't make dead more dead. They're already dead. I can only make that better. I can't make it any worse. They're not breathing. There's no heart rate. I can't make it any worse. All right, unless I smith the Wigglesworth something, like if I pray for that broken bone, I, I can't make it any worse. I'm going to really put a gentle hand on him. I'm going to ask permission. I'm going to figure out what happened. I'm going to pray to the root. I'm going to cancel the trauma. I'm going to gently, respectfully pray to have this great faith that God's going to heal because it's not within my ability. It's his ability. So I don't need to, like, go for 25 minutes and yell at God. And, and, and let me just remind you, God's not deaf. I grew up in a church that it felt like we had to scream to pray. Like, God's not deaf. He's perfect. He, he can hear you. Matter of fact, he hears you before you even say it out loud. So I get to gently pray for people. So I, I just want to share one story and then pass it over to Steve. I'm like the same timeline as last service. My bad. Scott and I, we were hanging out at a hotel. They had this nice, beautiful fire outside. And we were in Colorado, and a lot of people were smoking pot around us. And we are just like there hanging out. I was not smoking pot, okay? But we're hanging out, and all of a sudden, this, this very tall six-foot-seven man comes out. And, and we just begin to, like, he's just funny. We're laughing, and some people begin to make fun of him. And, like, he was just, like, just this really great dude. And uh, his name's Gordy. And... And we just begin to, like, just connect with him, just talk. Like, where are you from? I'm from Minnesota, and just all this stuff. And, and, and we begin to talk, and all of a sudden, Scott goes to the bathroom. He's like, so, how do you guys know each other? I was like, oh, we're, we're actually pastors. And um, we're just here. We're friends. We met up to hunt here in Wyoming. Now we're all heading back home. He's like, oh, okay. I effing love testimonies. <laughs> well, we have testimonies. This is awesome. He loves effing testimonies, and I have an effing testimony. So, sorry if that messes with you a little bit. This is just real life. Like, this is real. And I can, like, shun him because he used a little curse word around me, or I can actually reveal the love of God to him. So, so I was like, awesome. He's like, let me hear your testimony. And we share our te I share my testimony all the way from start to finish. And uh, it was this incredible time with Gordy. And then, then he looks at Scott. He's like, I bet your effing testimony is crazy. 
He's like, I want to hear it. And again, he says, I love effing testimonies. I was like, this is awesome. So Scott shares his testimony about being on a bus, coming back from a huge forest fire, almost dying, and, and how the Lord just encountered him on that bus, and he was high. And we here have heard Scott's testimony. It's incredible. And all of a sudden, man, Gordy, throughout the process of this, reveals what's going on in his life. He had just buried his, his, his biological, his birth dad. There's trouble in the family. He had just, just within a, a short period of time, the person that raised him or poured into him and his wife also died. Uh, just a short while ago, they lost a baby just two weeks prior to due date. And the Friday, he came, I think, on a Sunday or Saturday. The Friday night before he came and that Saturday, his wife miscarried a baby. This is what's happening with Gordy. And we didn't know all of the details of this as we're sharing our story and we're just loving on Gordy. We're just befriending Gordy. We had no intention other than just to be nice. We had no intention except just to be us, just to be the light of Jesus because that's just who we are. It wasn't to try to convert Gordy. And then he tells us, he's like, oh yeah, I'm Lutheran. I'm the chair of our board. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is effing awesome. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so all of a sudden, man, Gordy begins to break down. I was like, Gordy, is it cool if I pray for you? And I put hands on, I was like, cool if I put my hand on you? He's like, yeah. He's like, man, I would love that. And we just begin to pray for Gordy. And Gordy begins to just receive the love of the Father. And Gordy, I feel like, I just know he began to get just washed over and get healed. And I began to heal trauma, and we began to pray that God would heal the trauma of losing babies. And, and we prayed for fertility, and we prayed comfort and peace for his wife while he was on a business trip that he could not get out of. This is the love of Jesus, and this was the compassion of the Father. Now, we didn't see a physical healing, but we know that without a shadow of a doubt, we get up, and Gordy's like, can I hug you guys? Yeah, you know, let me just remind you, if you pray and you see nothing, let me just promise you something still happened. If you pray for somebody and you see absolutely nothing changed in that physical circumstance, let me just tell you, there was heartstrings and there was compassion and there was something that changed in their heart to remember you in that situation that God has worked through you to at least stop for a moment of time in your busy life to pray for somebody and have enough compassion to do something about it. Sympathy makes us feel bad for people, but compassion compels us to stop. When Jesus saw the multitudes in need, he was moved with compassion. So here's what I want to do real quick. And uh, those of you who are tuning in online live now, you can engage too. Uh, but Steve said, check your body. Check your body. See if anybody's healed during worship. Without prayer, four people were already healed. There was pain, notable pain, before you got here. Now the pain had diminished significantly enough to notice a difference. So right now, Check your body, and I just want you to test something out. Something that may have hurt, something that was a tangible difference, something you need prayer intervention to make a change. Just begin to test your body, and if you experience healing, at least 50% or better, a good portion, will you just wave both hands, including the, there's one. Anybody else? Just begin to test. Test, two, three, four, five. Just test it out. Test it. God's activating faith right now before prayer. There's a significant amount, plus the four, I believe. I don't know if you were the same or not, but anyway, God begins to work because there's a faith realm right now. What we've done is I've shared a few stories. Those testimonies became prophecies. And I'm like, oh, man, one time during worship, we didn't pray. We didn't go after healing. Leah gave, uh, God gave Leah a word of knowledge for a woman coming here. Her name's Helen, all right? She had a softball-sized tumor below her armpit into her breast. She had already been healed of breast cancer prior, years and years ago. So Leah says, hey, the Lord told me in worship service, we're in like the last song or so, and uh, I'm coming up, I think I'm beginning to do transition. All of a sudden, I, I start hearing yelling, and they run in. 
What happened was, I didn't know what was happening. We called them up. What's going on? God told Leah if she, they went and checked on that tumor, it would be gone. They went to the bathroom. She checked on the tumor just during worship service through a word of knowledge. All of a sudden, the tumor had completely dissolved to nothing, not present, totally gone. That's God. God does this. And it, created, it creates this thing to where now we get to share that. And God can continue to do what he's always done. Love his sons and daughters. So... Steve, you can come up and close. God's already on the move. He's already been healing people. It's awesome. We love you guys.